Hi everyone, it's Matthew here. Before we get into this week's show, I wanted to say a great big thank you to everyone who entered our giveaway that we ran a couple of weeks ago. We were giving away some coasters and stickers and magnets, some exciting pop culture deprived and eloquent gushing merch. Uh, we were going to give five sets of merch away. We ended up giving away seven because we were feeling generous and we got some awesome entries. So thank you very much to everyone who entered. If you are a winner, you should have received a DM message, text message carrier pigeon some sort of contact from us telling us that you've won and finding out where to send stuff to you so thank you do keep listening in coming weeks where we're going to announce some exciting stuff on our patreon but for now on with the show hello and welcome to episode 135 of pop culturally deprived where each week we watch a movie i've never seen before which is most of them and talk about the good the bad and the boogeyman this week we are rounding out keanu month with john wick on your do I look civilized to you? Podcast. I am Mandy Kay, and I'm on Twitter if you want to see me post gifs and rants about how unprepared I was for puppy murder, at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Bowes. You can follow me on Twitter where I just talk about any film that comes in front of my eyes at any given time. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate for your Twitter feed. Basically. <laughs> so we're at the end of Keanu Month. This is the the most recent one on our list. So we've gone from Point Break through whatever the next one was, Devil's Advocate, into Constantine, into John Wick. Mm-hmm. We talked on that first one about what uh, your feelings on Keanu were and your experience of Keanu, so check out the Point Break episode if you want to hear more on the Keanu chat in general. We're now up to a very recent film, um, so how come you didn't see John Wick? Well, apparently in 2014 I still thought I hated action movies, maybe? Okay. That's the only thing I can think of, as I saw it's about a murderer or an assassin or whatever and i was like eh okay it wasn't enough to get me to watch it Interesting. i don't know <laughs> okay that's all i got and i actually didn't know what this movie was about and i'm actually really glad that i didn't watch any of the synopses because most of them do kind of spoil the like tipping point for mm-hmm. for john wick and i'm glad i didn't know it but i was so unprepared for it and we need to have a conversation about that i mean but, the um, trailer spoils it Really? The trailer gives you the oh, whole thing. Oh, I never thing. watched the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Or if I did, it was a long, long time ago. But but no, that is a very good point. Like, this is an easy film to spoil, and in some ways it's better not to be spoiled. Yeah, I think so. Although so, it makes my notes all the more heartbreaking. Well, certainly for the first 15 minutes. After the first 15 <laughs> right. minutes, you know what's coming for the rest of the film. Um, right, yeah. So if you've not seen it, probably just, you know, if you're listening while you're commuting, you're in your car, you're on the train, this podcast will be here. Get, make time to watch John Wick, get 20 minutes in, and then come back to us. <laughs> yes, I think so. It It's definitely better to go in unspoiled. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Mm. Um, a Russian gangster's kid murders John Wick's puppy, and in true Liam Neeson fashion, Keanu Reeves hunts him down. How come revenge has become Liam Neeson's thing? I mean, the Taken films are not that good. In my, in my humble opinion. Is. But it has just, it, that's his thing. And especially because he's then done The Commuter and The Grey and The Revenge Dude. Yeah, um, I haven't seen The Commuter yet, but I want to. But I feel like since Taken, I don't know if this started before Taken, but since Taken, 
Liam Neeson only ever plays that character. Yeah, crazy. So um, the commuter, some of it was filmed at one of the stations on the line just down from me. Oh, Station okay. called Warbles. Probably have seen it then. Mm-hmm. All right. John Wick is an American action thriller film that was widely released in October 2014. Written by Derek Kolstad and directed by Chad Stahelski, it stars Keanu Reeves, Michael Nyquist, Alfie Allen, Adrian Palicki, Willem Dafoe, and Ian McShane. Screenwriter Derek Kolstad completed the first draft of the film, then titled Scorn, in a single month. Thunder Road Pictures purchased the script in 2012, and Reeves was announced as the lead in 2013. Reeves worked closely with Kolstad to further develop the story, and the title was changed after Keanu kept telling everyone he was making a film called John Wick. The movie opened second in the U.S. behind horror flick Ouija, and ultimately brought in nearly $90 million against its $20 million budget. It was a commercial and critical success, spawning two sequels, a virtual reality video game, and in-game content created for Payday 2 and Fortnite. A fourth John Wick movie is set to be released in May 2021, and a prequel television series called The Continental is in development at Stars. So, a couple of additions to some of that. The film actually okay. had two directors. Uh, there was a chap mm. called David Leach, who worked with Chad, Chad Stahelski, um, but the Directors Guild of America said they couldn't have dual director credit for reasons reasons i've not been able to find they've had i I found one interview where they tangentially talked about it but didn't go into detail um but david leach is the other director of this right i think he ended up being credited as a producer exactly yeah which is a a shame yeah um and there's also a game in the works coming out soon called john wick hex uh, by bithel games who people might know uh having done thomas was alone volume um, and Subsurface Circular, so uh, a range of different games. They've got a game coming out uh, based on the John Wick series, but but it, I think it's kind of a prequel sort of thing. Okay. Um, very, very interesting setup because it's not a shooter, which... Oh. Yeah. They, they've got this so... If you've ever played the XCOM games, the you take a turn, your enemies take a turn, you take a turn, your enemies take a turn. Okay. It's got that, but all the turns are taken at the same time. So, like, the game stops and gives you a list of the things you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, shoot this dude, punch this dude, throw your gun, change your stance, whatever. And you choose your action, and then your action and anyone else who's doing stuff on the map you're on, as it were. And it's sort of a head down kind of thing, isolinear. Um, if all the moves happen at the same time. And then as soon as there's a moment for another move, like... I move to this spot, I shoot this dude, I throw my gun at this dude, whatever that choice is, you then make that choice and then that happens. So there's kind of a timeline that's really stilted, but it is going from moment to moment to moment. Interesting. It looks really good. I'm, I'm quite excited with that one. It's going to be a, a good one on Switch, I think, if it comes out for that. Mike, okay. Mike Bithell, who's developing it, he had a really good quote where he said he basically treated the John Wick films as though they were the, the let's play kind of Twitch streams of the best player in the world. So it's not that he's doing this stuff because it's cinematic and cool. He is actually thinking through the strategy of it. So we punch this dude, throw my gun at this dude, run over here, do this thing. Right. And then look at all the choices everyone around him is making and then make a game that allows you to do that. So they're coming at it from a really good stance. So Yeah, that's definitely unique, Mm. I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm intrigued. Yeah. All right. Well, how were you able to watch this one over in the UK? It's It's been on Sky and streaming at different times, but at the moment, I've had to rent it on Sky. Everyone's right. got it for £3.49. 
but it is one okay. of those ones that comes up quite regularly. I think it's probably come down because of the third movie coming out, and then mm-hmm. it'll appear again sometime around Christmas. Yeah, so it's basically available to rent everywhere here. Okay. Um, John Wick 2 and 3 were actually both in a Google Play sale mm-hmm. last week. John Wick 1 was not included in that sale. Um, right. And there was also a recent sale on iTunes or Apple Movies for Keanu Movies. Mm-hmm. And all of the movies that we did for Keanu Month, except for John Wick, mm. were included in that sale. So it's just really bizarre. But you're right. It's probably because John Wick 3 just came out. But I did not have to rent it because this is another one of Joseph's favorites. Nice. So he okay. has them. I, I wonder if there's an interesting licensing thing, like a different production company stepped up for 2 and 3 or something, maybe. I Well, I think so. Because mm. uh, I think 2 and 3 were re- released by Lionsgate Films. Okay. Which is different from the first one. I think uh, the first one was Summit, maybe. I don't remember. Summit Entertainment. Um, but two yeah. and three were different, so maybe. Mm, okay. Um, but I know John Wick has been on Netflix. There's a page for it. It's mm. just you can't get it now. Okay, so lots of different actors in this. There are two directors. Um, we've talked about Keanu elsewhere, so we've then got uh, Lovejoy and other people in this. I'm not going to list everyone out. Who do you know from this cast? <laughs> all right so um the writer i don't actually know anything that he's done this is the first thing mm. i've seen by him but he is listed as a writer on the upcoming the falcon and the winter soldier right tv show okay. tie-in from the mcu so i'm pretty excited about that chad stahelski nothing like this was really his directorial debut mm. he's really only kind of done john wick there wasn't much on his list so on his directorial list, yeah, he did the three John Wick films, and then he's got the new Birds of Prey and the fabulous Emancipation of Miss Harley Quinn coming. Um, his acting, like you've seen him in stuff. He was Neo in The Matrix in the stunts and many, many other right, things Right, he's besides. done a lot of stunt choreography mm. and, and that sort of thing. I did see that, but I, it, I wouldn't have recognized him, right. right? Because he's the stunt guy. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, this guy's done a lot of stuff. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other folks in that I've seen that I'm really aware of, um, Alfie Allen is Theon. <laughs> Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> um, Ian McShane is Mr. Wednesday on um, American Gods. Willem Dafoe. I mostly know him from Spider-Man because he was James Franco's dad in Spider-Man. But then he was also in Aquaman. Um and Adrian Palicki, Shield, Supernatural, and most recently the Orville. Yeah. So I'm oddly enough most familiar with her. Okay. I think. Okay. So it was. I mean, I was kept. I was surprised. I kept saying, "Wow, that person's in this. Wow, that person's in this." So. Yeah, we'll return to that. It was fun. Um. Yeah, Ian McShane did a series over here in the 80s, in the early 90s, I think, called Lovejoy. Mm-hmm. Unless he's, like, cast as Dumbledore in a new Harry Potter or something, that is what he will be famous for in the UK. Okay. It was kind of... Let's see if we can get an actual description, because I I, I don't know how to describe it other than a kind of detective antiquarian. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Let's see if I can get a description of it for you, because I remember it just being slightly bonkers. I'm sure he was an antique dealer was the thing about him. Um, 
Oh, based on a series of novels. Interesting. The series concerns the adventures of the eponymous Lovejoy, played by Ian McShane, a roguish antiques dealer based in East Anglia. Within the trade, he has, he has a reputation as a divvy, a person with almost unnatural powers of recognising exceptional items as well as distinguishing genuine antiques from fakes or forgeries. It ran for six series and 71 episodes. Okay, that actually sounds really interesting. I wonder if I can find it somewhere. There's a whole series in the 90s of those sort of BBC Channel 4 series that are like, now we follow this interesting chef. Now we follow this interesting, you know, everyman type uh, trades. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to look for that, I think. Interesting. Um, and David Leach, you and I have seen together his film Deadpool 2. He, oh, he, yes, He directed absolutely. that, yeah. Um, and, and another one who's done lots of stunts. He's recently had Hobson Shaw that he directed come out. Um, and he also made Atomic Blonde. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. Okay. So we reference this a little bit. Revenge Thriller has become a series now, a proper genre. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a genre you go to? How do you feel on the sort of bloody violence of it? I don't actually mind that very much. I think my introduction to this sort of genre was Liam Neeson, who is kind of the founder of it, I think, mm. or at least recognized as the founder of it. Um, so I have seen, I think, all three Taken films. And then, oh, there was a movie that I can't remember what it was called. I want to say it was called like Three Days or something like that. It was a Kevin Costner movie. That was basically right. taken, mm. except Kevin Costner was the lead. Yeah. It was bizarre. So I have seen that. I couldn't really come up with anything else. Um, when I Googled lists of movies like John Wick, they weren't revenge thrillers. They were just random action movies. Okay. And I'm like, just because it's an action movie doesn't mean it's like John Wick. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you enjoy John Wick? I absolutely enjoyed everything about this movie except for the puppy murder. Which is probably the point. Like, let's let's get into the spoiler then. Fifteen minutes into this <laughs> film, his dog is killed, and he goes on a kill crazy rampage. Yeah, I mean, it's not just because his dog was killed. I think it's the context of what the dog meant to him. You know, yeah, if it was but, just yeah. his dog, it probably wouldn't have quite escalated so badly. But God, that puppy was so cute, and that little puppy actor was adorable, and. He should not have died. And then they showed the dead puppy and it was just terrible. So let's talk efficient storytelling. Because I I am always astounded. And I've watched this film probably three or four times now. I'm always astounded by it because 15 minutes in and the plot is going, gone. Mm -hmm. Like there is not much more to come in terms of plot other than he spends a lot of time killing dudes. And trying to stop dudes from killing him and then killing more dudes. Because you've had 15 minutes of learning about him having had a wife, or a partner, wife as we find out, but a partner who clearly got very ill and then died, and then on the day of her funeral sends him a puppy to keep him happy. There is a line in there when he reads her letter to him that has a thing of, you know, you need something to love besides your car. And just Mm -hmm. that line tells us, everything about him and the car. So the fact that it's the car that goes as well is another element to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think had it just been the car, there would have been some action, but not so much. But the fact it's this puppy, that then they spend probably four minutes, maybe even four minutes, making us fall in love with this puppy. Because it is oh my God. very cute. It is toilet trained. 
it wants to sleep with him, but it obeys him when he says, no, you need to sleep on the floor. But then he relents, even though he's clearly a cold, you know, unemotional right. type at this point. Except, yeah. go on. And then you get the shot of him leaving the house the next morning, getting in the car, trying to leave the puppy behind. And the puppy's like, no, I'm going with you and runs up behind him and jumps in the car. Yeah. And he just like sees him there and he's like, oh. well, okay. and then he goes on with the, you know, yeah. takes him with him. <laughs> um, adorable. You see what the wife meant to him when this letter came. You very, within 10 minutes, so within 25 minutes, you've then had his backstory. Of he was Baba Yaga, he was the one you sent to kill the boogeyman. He's that scary, mm-hmm. and and him starting to gear up, and then you have him just starting to kill dudes. And there's lots of other bits that come in that tell you about his character, that tell you about the relationships, that do some of the world building, which we'll talk about as well. But mm-hmm. just the fact that basically by 15 minutes, they've got the plot going, like it is underway, and there's no, there's no way to stop it at that point. But they have told you a lot very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Where I think another film would have taken even longer to, in in real time's not the thing, but but in the present, show the wife passing away, show the funeral arrangements, show the funeral, then show the dog coming. That's all in done in flashbacks. Or at least yeah. that her dying is done in flashbacks, and very quickly. Mm-hmm. But we're so good at reading films now, we can just, great, it's there, and let's move on. Yeah. I think an, another aspect of it that goes along with what you're talking about is there was very little dialogue in the movie, particularly from mm. John Wick himself. Yeah. Like, they showed us, they didn't tell us, and we didn't need it. No. Like, his his performance was very physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course it is. He's running around murdering people. Mm-hmm. But even even the fight scenes, he was completely silent most of the time. And that's something that's unusual. Yeah. Because when you see fight scenes, you're accustomed to either what you get with, like, the martial arts where everybody's, like, shouting right or you get all of the grunts and the exertion and he was silent as if this is nothing to me it's not you know i'm not breaking a sweat doing this i can just come do this and be done and i think that just adds another element of what you're calling efficiency Mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed it yeah you're you're absolutely right they show us so much of his character there there is some telling the whole thing about the you know he killed dudes with a pencil and so on Mm -hmm. and and i think what you're absolutely hitting on there is what sets this apart from other action films so efficiently is he kills seriously. He takes his job absolutely serious. He does not do yeah. dodge this or, you know, yeah, that is America's ass moments. There's there's no <laughs> quippiness to this, which mm-hmm. action films since time immemorial have done. They have lightened the mood by having people make jokes, by having funny moments in them. Yeah. Uh, The fact that David Leach went on to direct Deadpool 2 is such a great parallel follow-up because Deadpool kills in much the same way as John Wick. It's a bit more flipping around, uh, more, more physically expressive, but it is stab this dude, shoot this dude, shoot three dudes through the head, go and twist mm-hmm. this guy's hand while he throws a brick at him and then go back to the dude he's got by the hand and kill him. It's got a lot right. of the same sort of thing. But then when you lay Ryan Reynolds in, who's making comments about it, and it's all funny and silly. Oh, he wore the brown pants. He made the right decision. It's juggernaut. <laughs> I'm glad I wore the white pants. You know, things like that. Right, right. That when you come to this, and and you're absolutely right, the fact he does it silently, 
the fact mm-hmm. he's not grunting and growling, he's just, I am now going to kill dudes. And if I take my eye off the ball to come up with a, put this in your pie plate and smoke it, what's the line from the Buffy bot? <laughs> That'll put marzipan in your pie plate, bingo. (laughs) But exactly that sort of thing that we are just so used to lightening the mood. You don't get that. The only, only time I can think of where he does that is when he's got the bishop. And bishop, priest, religious dude. And the guy's like, he's going to kill you for this. You know what I mean, though? That that guy who is not a threat to him and all the other threats are dead. And the guy right. goes like, he's going to kill you for this. And John Wick just shoots someone and goes, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only really funny moment of action in yeah. that way. And I think it makes the character, like, it makes it believable that he is the best of the best. Over and above, he's just killing all the dudes. Because you expect mm-hmm. that from your protagonist in a revenge thriller, frankly. But the fact that he does it in a different style to all the other people we ever see in a world like this. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, and he wouldn't have even done it, though. You know, he did it because Vigo wouldn't give up... Oh, Janos. Theon. I don't even know the character's name. He's Theon. Alfie Allen. <laughs> yes, Alfie Allen. Yeah. If Vigo had just given him up to start with, nobody else would have died. No. Except for maybe his little sidekick dude. Yeah. You know, um, and and you could see that because, like, he let Francis go. Mm-hmm. The bodyguard at the red, the red circle. Red circle. Maybe? Le Sac Rouge. Um, you know, he's, he knew him, he had, um, a history with him. He didn't want to kill him. So he just said, why don't you take the night off? And he left and, you know, he wasn't doing this for the sake of killing people. You know, he wasn't trying to kill all the people that he was trying to kill. He killed the people who got in his way, Mm. like the people who were actively trying to stop him. Yeah. And, And there's something in that. One of your comments that was wonderful was about it reminding you of a, like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing, because they have they have made the boogeyman, Baba Yaga, <laughs> the the protagonist of this film. But absolutely, yes, you could set this in someone else's point of view and just be like, "We need to escape from this dude who's killing you, killing us. Mm-hmm. He's relentless. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't stop." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, one of my favorite scenes that I, I was going to talk about a little bit later, but. The, that scene in particular through the dance floor at the Red mm. Circle, you know, one of the horror movie tropes is that the victim is always running mm-hmm. in fear and terror and the bad guy, you know, like Jason or Mike Myers is walking yeah. to get them and they catch them, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the the juxtaposition between the, the fear and the – oh focus i guess not fair Hmm. and they did that in this movie with um alfie allen's character running in terror wearing nothing but a towel Mm. through this dance floor trying to get away from him and john wick is just walking yeah like very purposefully very i'm gonna get this guy and it it's such a subtle thing you know it really Mm. didn't add to the plot it was just a visual moment of escalating tension yeah and i really really enjoyed it Mm. And especially because we've had a moment just before that where he had his gun trained on Alfie Allen. Mm-hmm. So he could have shot him. But no, he doesn't want to do it impersonally from a distance. He right. wants to scare the what's-its off this guy and get up close and personal. Well, I mean, he deserved to be scared to death. Oh, absolutely. But 
he stole his car and murdered his puppy and then <laughs> said, I don't care if he has the reputation of the boogeyman, I can still kill him. <laughs> right? I mean, he needed to be taken down and pegged. I don't know that he really needed to be murdered for it, but he needed to be taken down and pegged. I mean, Alfie Allen is inspired casting because he just yeah. doesn't look sympathetic. Like someone you no. could sympathize with. Apparently he's a wonderful dude. Apparently he is absolutely mm-hmm. lovely, but there's just something about him. Which is really funny because like Lily Allen is always seems to come across like an absolute sweetheart. But yet he just looks like someone annoying. He really yeah. does. And I, I wonder though, did you watch Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder though if that's just our perception of him from the character that he played there. Like, if I had never seen him in Game of Thrones, would I right. still think that? Okay. Yes, you would. I'm yeah. not sure. Because <laughs> his character on Game of Thrones just irritated the snot out of me for so long. Because <laughs> I was talking to Catherine about this. I, I was trying to figure out what Alfie Allen was famous for. Because I remember him rocking up in Game of Thrones being like, oh, hey, it's Alfie Allen. That, oh, that's okay. quite a cool bit of casting. And we think it is just he's Keith Allen's son and Lily Allen's brother. And he just appeared in a number of different things. Okay. And then eventually got this big part in Game of Thrones. But hmm. he is just a, you know, sort of a known person. A little bit like, what did I watch the other day? I can't even remember what the film was, but I watched a film with Sadie Frost. And it was like, oh, hey, it's Sadie Frost. How do I know who Sadie Frost is? And it's just, wasn't she married or with Jude Law for a long time? Oh, yes, that's it's that woman. Just You just you know who people are through yeah. osmosis of, I you have know, no idea who Sadie Frost is, but I'll take your word for it. What was the film? the film we need to know Let's go look at your twitter you know you put it on there <laughs> oh i'm going to my letterbox diary that's the place oh, that'll work too. uh dracula dracula 1992 of course yes oh <laughs> i have to watch that movie today actually yes i was trying to think yeah so sadie frost is in that and i was like sure i've seen her and stuff but i don't know what and alfie allen's <laughs> exactly the same and he is a great bit of casting for this. I think a lot of the casting in this is very good. I think it all works really well. Mm-hmm. And and I have a suspicion a lot of that casting was it was to keep the budget low, effectively. Because most of the cast are from TV. You have Keanu, you have Willem Dafoe, and I think there's one other. Oh, John Leguizamo. Pretty much everyone else is famous because of their TV appearances. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Was Adrian Palicki at that point, she had only done Supernatural, right? Oh, I'm sure she, she, she had done else, Shield. Yeah, what... She was in Shield at this point. Oh, was she? Yeah. Really? Mm. Huh. Yeah. 2014 just feels like so, 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 so long ago <laughs> that I was thinking that was before Shield. Okay. Well, I remember watching it and going, oh, hey, it's the woman from Shield. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you've got the big ticket items Adrian Palicki, uh, Alfie Allen. I think Michael Nyquist was in. There was something that I noticed that I'm like, oh, he's clearly done a lot of I TV. I looked him up, and while his face looked familiar to me, nothing on his list looked right. remotely familiar to me. Right. You've got um, Dean Winters, who was in Oz and Rescue Me and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Terminator and all sorts. You've got the guy behind the desk, Lance Reddick who was in a number of different TV things. You've got a guy from The Wire. You've even got, like, the cop who turns up is Thomas Sadowski from The Newsroom. That's where he was. I was like, I know that guy's face. Just all the way through, these people keep cropping up. It's like, oh, I've, I, I'm watching him in this. Oh, I'm watching him in this. I'm watching him in this. Right. 
th- th- it just feels like the kind of the audition film for so many people, which you usually get two or three in in a lot of big picture films. Right. You know, they're right, they're okay. trying someone out in a role, seeing how they do on a film production. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film is most of them. Even e- even uh, Ian McShane, who's done a lot of stuff, but he is Deadwood, Lovejoy, and, and would be American Gods. Right, right, yeah. Absolutely. I I think they all nailed it, though. I think yeah. the casting was great. There wasn't anybody that I felt was miscast or didn't do the role they were doing justice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think so much of it is done really, really well. And, and like we say, a lot of the character stuff comes out through their interactions with people and some of the dialogue and so on. You mentioned um, Francis, who he lets go. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nash, by the way. So we've got a wrestler in here as well, because of course you've got a wrestler. You always cast wrestlers in films these days. Um, <laughs> but the fact that Kevin Nash is calling him Sir and Mr. Wick, it, there's an implication of a hierarchy there that where other people have referred to hiring John Wick to do stuff for them, John appears to have a power level above francis and francis is treating him with respect in the same way we see ian mcshane doing and in the same way we see other people doing but that one Mm. is very much it's like he he has worked for john wick and would work for him again because he pays him that much respect right i i got the impression that john wick was like right under vigo like vigo felt like he was the top of the the hierarchy Mm -hmm. like he runs the business but he also said that if john wick hadn't done what he had done to get out they wouldn't have they wouldn't be where they were yeah do you have Um, a headcanon for what that was i mean he killed a lot of people but i don't (laughs) know no i I didn't really give it much thought probably a rival gang maybe another Mm -hmm. family like they were the ones going after the Corleones. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know if we ever do learn what it is. I've not seen the third one, um, so I don't know. But the fact that he talks about he, I set him an impossible task, a task no one could do. It feels like he did the end of the Godfather on his own, and he survived, and no one knows it was him. Right. You know the killing yeah. of the five families. He took them all down. Oh, he took them all. <laughs> Something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I can absolutely see that happening. Mm. And, and part of this speaks to, again, as as efficient as the film is in terms of giving us a story, giving us the setup, and then just going. Just like, and now we're a revenge thriller, and just running for it. The world building is, uh, and the mythology of that world, but the, it almost doesn't get done. They rock up to the Continental, and we get these things of, you know, no business allowed to be conducted here. But yes, we have clean laundry and yes, we have a doctor and we have a bar and we have all of these different things. But there's no like, what's the history of this? Where has it come from? And and again, another Mm -hmm. film might feel the need to fill in some of those elements on what the gold coins were, who established the gold coin currency system, what a gold coin is worth. You know, is it just a job? Doesn't matter how big or small you get a gold coin for it. Or is it a, you know, five gold coins for this job, one gold coin for this job, this kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And almost it's more exciting. I always talk about Star Wars being, you know, an amazing world building because you just come in in the middle of this story and the world is existing already around you. And you don't get told what Darth Vader is and how he got to be Darth Vader in that very first film. And that makes it more exciting. And this film does a lot of the same sort of thing. It's like, why why is Ian McShane in charge? And what is this business they're doing? And it's awesome. Yeah. No, I I love the world that that we were dropped into here because it's it's clearly a world 
similar to ours, but Mm -hmm. not the world that we live in, Mm. right? It's a world where murder, assassins, mobs, whatever you want to actually call what they do, Mm. hitmen, whatever. It's a world where that is an actual business. It's an actual job. It's it's not discreet. Like John Wick goes by John Wick. They know who he is and they know what he does. Yep. And he rolls up to the the murder hotel, right? Not to be confused with H.H. H. Holmes's murder hotel, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's a murder hotel. That's what it is. And it has its own doctor, like you said, and you can make dinner reservations for the cleanup crews. And it's got the murder bar run by Ian McShane. And a world where these things are not secret. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me. Yeah. Right? So, like, in the world of Taken, these things could all exist, but they would all be underground. Right. Nobody would know about it. They wouldn't use real names. They would all have aliases or code names. And here, it's just, this is a part of how the world functions. Mm. And it's it's just utterly fascinating. Yeah. And, and even moments like the policeman showing up and... and <laughs> Again, another film that doesn't have this world built around it, he would have to find a way to... You'd, you'd have the, like, holding the door open a crack and, like, no, no, I'm fine in here, and the almost comedy of trying to hide what's happened. Right, right. But in this, it's just, oh, hey, you're working again, John. I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it works. It's like, oh, that's really interesting, but we don't get to know what it is. And, um, yeah. and my problem with a film like this having sequels is once you have to build that world... There's a chance it could all fall down. There's a chance you could put too much detail and go, right now I don't buy it. Now it's too much. Right. Yeah, that's that's fair, actually. I think what I really liked about that scene with the cop that you're mm. talking about is in that moment, that's really before we knew much about the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, we knew he was an assassin mm-hmm. and, you know, he just killed all these people in his house. But I think my expectation in that moment when the cop just walked away was – oh, it's nice to have friends in high places. Yeah. Right? I wasn't seeing that moment as, oh, this is normal for this world. He's just friends with Jimmy. Yeah. And Jimmy's going to let him do what he does, right? (laughs) But then we keep getting more and more of, oh, there's an entire hotel devoted to Mm -hmm. this. Oh, you know, you can call a number and have them come clean up the bodies. Yeah. Which was another thing I really liked. You never see that in these movies. You're just left wondering, what happens to all the bodies that are left laying everywhere in these action movies and we actually see them clean it up yeah it's it's little moments that just make this movie wonderful it ha- it it's so nuanced like this is not just a murder movie no it it is a big action film mhm but the world that they've built to contain it really works yeah. makes it all much more believable yeah it is an action film but it's not about the action I think in a lot of action films, you just get, it's about the bigger the explosion, the better the movie. Mm -hmm. And that is not what you get with John Wick. Um, Gosh, I'm reminded of a quote that I read from the director. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Okay. So uh, the director, Chad Stahelski, however you say Mm -hmm. that name, um, he said, 
Making a movie is actually fairly easy. Making a good one is much harder. It was a huge learning experience, and I'm very proud of it. We stretched our schedule to the absolute limits. We fought for what we believed in and chose to make a story-driven, character-driven action movie. That's why I chose to do it. This was an opportunity to do something that wasn't just about cars, explosions, fire, and fights. Mm. Yes, John fights. Yes, he shoots guns, and he drives a car very fast. But the focus was always trying to do something cinematically different. And I think that is spot on, and I think he absolutely accomplished what he was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think it is an action film, and the action is the point. Like, you don't watch this if you want to watch a, you know, interesting character thing about a man dealing with grief. Okay, (laughs) that's fair. This is not that film. But, yes, they have done something very differently, and there are so many touches to that, and there's a lot smarter people than I who've done good videos and good interesting things on this but there there is so much of the way they've shot it so there's there's much more there there were longer takes to show you what's going on where a, another action film might cut so they're trying to hide things the mm-hmm. action is always centered and trying to show you stuff so if they do cut and move to another camera angle it's to give you a better shot of what's going on they're not using many stunt people so it is Keanu Reeves doing this stuff as he has generally done in in his career so they're exactly that quote the the point of they're taking the action as you'd normally see it and then doing it better so we're not doing a shot of Captain America from the back beating someone up because it's not Chris Evans actually doing it or something we're actually showing you that this is John Wick and this is this stunt guy who and all the other you know the dudes he's killing are pretty faceless and there was a, a yeah. thing I did see that they, because they were shooting with like one camera in these really enclosed spaces, as the camera moves, the guys they take down have to run behind the camera and set up because they're the next guy coming in. Like there are times that the same guy comes and attacks them several times because they oh, wow. just didn't have the space to have all these different people and all these bodies and things. So they're having, right. you know, they're doing all this setup and they were doing meticulous training to get it all set up and choreographed really nicely, but with the camera people there. So the camera people knew what to shoot and how to work with them. So it's elevating the action sequence to something different, something we've not seen before. Right. It's wonderful. It's, you know, as an action film, it really does stand out against pretty much anything else at the time. Not just the stuff I said earlier about, like, it's not quippy and it's taking it seriously and it's a much more hardcore sort of thing. It's made better. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I think this was, this was a very good movie. Mm. Good. <laughs> good. Is that, yes, yeah, that's good. the summation. <laughs> but, this uh, is a good movie. And, yes. and they've got all that work going on of this is what the actors are doing, this is what the stunt people are doing, this is what the action's doing. And then there's the, the mise-en-scene. The, any, any shot, any, you know, sort of set piece in this, you could take a still from this and put it in front of you and go, oh, that's the fight in the club. That's the fight at the end in the cars. That's the fight in his house. Because they're lit stylistically, differently. They are using different colours and different styles to both John and the fights. So each each sequence stands alone very much. You're like, oh, that's that sequence. That's that sequence. So they've done clever things with what they're doing in each set piece as well. Just right. just to make it okay. look different, make it stand out. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep referring to the MCU because that's the big action films at the moment. But there's a lot of times you could just be anywhere in any of the films. Uh, um, yeah, we've made jokes about actors not knowing which film they're in. Right. Because so much of it is interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are 
absolutely already gushing about this movie. <laughs> so tell me what some of your other favorite moments were. There's two moments where it does something really interesting with the camera. Um, and it's the, it's basically the same shot, but done in different or two different things. So one is in the club where he's fighting on the top level and some dude picks him up and throws him over the side. And then there's a yes. bit at the end where he rams someone's car and the car falls off the edge of the dock and hits the ground beneath it. Right. And both times the camera follows the thing that's falling and the thing that was falling hits the ground and doesn't bounce. So whether it's a car or Keanu Reeves, that one probably isn't Keanu Reeves to be fair. When it hits the ground, it doesn't bounce. If you feel the impact of that, and you can feel that he is a a piece in this world that has weight and that has hit the ground painfully at that point. There is in both of those shots a very slight shake of the camera at the point of impact on the ground, and it hmm. just I I think it's that that lends weight to the moment. The the bit where the car comes off the side and hits the ground. I rewound several times the first time I saw this. Because I'm like, there is something in this shot that just makes it so impactful. And I think it's just that the camera shakes ever so okay. subtly. But it's like, that's really nice. That's the sort of thing that you learn doing second director, second unit direction. Mm-hmm. That when you actually come to do the first unit stuff, you're like, we need to make sure we do this on, on these key shots. And it just, okay. they, they might even be moments of CG, but they, there is so much weight that these things feel real in the world. It's minor, but it's lovely. Right. I did not notice those things. But again, I've only seen it once. And so I, yeah. I don't tend to pick up those more minute details first time through. We talked about the world building and some of the performances within that world telling you stuff. And Lance Reddick as Caron, the, the concierge at the Continental. Mm-hmm. Every bit of him is wonderful. Just, I mean, the fact he's called Cameron, 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 however you say it, who is the ferryman who takes souls to Hades in in Greek mythology, and that he plays him so down. I, I don't know a better way to to say this. He doesn't react to the people. People say things to him. He considers his answer. He gives an answer. Right. But it's not quick repartee. But they are memorable moments. The bit when John comes back from the club and he says, how's your laundry? And he looks at him for a bit and then goes, I'm sorry to say that no one's that good. (laughs) It's really good. It's like, yeah, no, you just killed a lot of dudes. This is not going to happen. Right, right. Yeah. But the, you know, we're really sorry for what happened. Here's a car. You know, perhaps we could suggest a drink, maybe a bourbon. It's exactly the sort of thing a concierge would do but he doesn't act like a concierge he acts he acts like something spiritual there is something fantastical about the way he plays that character yeah he's so calm and subdued Mm. and just matter of fact he has this air of everything's gonna be okay yeah about him but it's not in what he says or even really how he says it it has to do i think more with how he stands yeah more than anything it's just he projects this vibe around him mm. and it, you're right it's absolutely lovely yeah it's it's supernaturally upright and stiff and not moving mm-hmm. wonderful yeah i was listening to him and i was like i recognize that voice why do <laughs> i know this man's voice and he was a voice actor on destiny 2 i need my fire team i need my cora and Cade. Uh, okay have you ever played destiny uh the first one yeah the first one. Okay. So he did the voice for Commander Zavala. Okay. If you remember who Zavala nope. is. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I hear that voice like every day. And right. it's like, I know this guy's voice. And that's why. Nice. So. 
Um, and let's talk Adrian Blitzky, however you say okay. her name as well. I'm hoping that's right. So uh, she's a pretty good character. A little one-dimensional, but, you know, she's a bad girl and she's bad. And she does bad things and decimates the rules and causes yeah, with pain. Yeah, dark hair and red lipstick. Of course, she's a bad girl. Yeah, exactly. However, and I'm going to say stuff here that might sound really bad, and I'm going to try and back it up, and we're going to decide whether we keep it in the podcast or not. Okay. I All right. love that she has a fight with John Wick, and she causes him pain and tries to kill him, and he causes her pain and tries to kill him. There is yeah. a thing in, again, modern action films, and particularly the big franchises, things like MCU and Fast and Furious. Men fight men and women fight women. Yes. Which, in some ways, is okay. Like, fine. Anyone can fight anyone. But they don't do anyone fights anyone. And and it's one of those things, once you notice it, it starts standing out a little bit. And I, and I appreciate there is still sort of hangovers about men doing violence on women and perhaps you shouldn't show mm-hmm. that on screen too much because it is a real world problem but in this world to to have had a point of no the men can only fight the men and and women aren't allowed to play in this club would be bullshit and, yes, and absolutely. the fact that she holds her own against him she holds her own against the other um assassin who lets down his guard around her because he thinks he's got her and he himself is not necessarily the nicest person so possibly has it coming it's a little refreshing and um, men and women doing violence on each other should not be refreshing. But but the <laughs> fact that in the MCU it is what was the thing in Infinity War that the the woman Black General whatever they're called who works for Thanos fights Scarlet Witch and then Black Widow and General Okoye come to help her out and the women fight the women. Oh yeah, that was an Endgame, right? Uh, end of Infinity War, I think, because it's the whole oh, thing of no, like no, you're right. I'm Absolutely. gonna kill yeah, you because no, you're alone, and, and then she's not yeah. alone. She has. Women friends. And, yeah, and I think the yeah. Fast and Furious does it uh, particularly as well because there is a bit in six, five, six, five, six. Let's go with six. Um, they all blend into each other. But it ends up with Michelle Rodriguez fighting the woman who would be in Deadpool. Whose name I also can't remember. The woman who would be in Deadpool? Uh, who was in Deadpool. You remember who fights Colossus at the end. And, and actually, no, there's, there's another example as well. Colossus fights... Oh, her. Yeah, no, I don't Ajax's know Ajax's like sidekick, her, but... yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. So... Yeah, no, you're yeah. not wrong. I mean, it was it was very noticeable to me. Like, John Wick full-on punches her in the face. Mm. But he covers her face up first. Yeah. He puts a... He wraps a sheet around her head, and then he punches her full-on in the face. Yeah. And I, I found myself wondering, did they do that to lessen the impact... Yeah, like, the sort of not moral the ambiguity. impact of yeah. his fist, but the the visual impact mm. of him punching a woman. But you're absolutely right. I picked up on it instantly. Like, holy cow, he just punched a woman in the face. And you just don't see that yeah. ever. I don't think I would use the word refreshing. No. I, but I understand what you mean. Yeah. I'm not advocating for violence on women, obviously. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm not advocating for violence on men. It's just there is this moral thing in Hollywood of men fight men and women fight women. And that's an yeah. easy way around it to to and probably to sell it in different countries as well. I imagine there might be things about what you can and can't show, right? So yeah, I don't know a good way to talk about it, but at the same time, like it's good and it's a good fight as well. You feel mm-hmm. that they're in just this hotel room, and hotel rooms are not big spaces, right? So it's it's really well used. I agree. It was a good fight. Mm. 
What about you? Are there, is there stuff in this you can say you loved that we've not covered? Um, well, we've already covered the first two. <laughs> Just the universe in general and then that uh, dance floor mm. um, shot, the way the dance floor scene was shot with, with Keanu walking and Theon running. Um, when Right after John Wick torches Vigo's vault mm-hmm. and Vigo catches him. And he's got him handcuffed in the chair, and he is just railing at him. Do you understand what was in that vault? Do you get that that was my leverage on everybody in this city? That was absolutely priceless, and he's just screaming priceless. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves' face. <laughs> and, and okay, so Keanu is not known for being super expressive, right? No, he's known yeah. for being more blank slate. Yeah. This scene, like, the look on his face is amazing. He's just like, I don't give a crap about your stuff. Yeah. Like, why are you telling me this? And it was just amazing. I mean, I think I'm going to see if I can screen grab it because it was it was priceless. Yeah. And it's just, it's something you don't often see from Keanu, I think. And that's why it stood out to me. Yeah. It, it speaks again to that writing just being so good that they can... Uh, take something like him saying that stuff is priceless and really imbue it with the emotional impact of what mm-hmm. John has lost by comparison. Yes. Mm. And and that's why he didn't need words. He just had the look. Absolutely. On his face. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. You know, and then um, I, I think it actually was in that scene. It, it might've been a different scene, but Keanu finally, finally like verbally expresses himself. And it's it's escalating with every line that he says and he's saying you asked me if i was back and then this happened and this happened and this happened and then he just culminates with yeah i'm thinking i'm back (laughs) when ellen died i lost everything until that dog arrived on my doorstep a final gift for my wife in that moment i received some semblance of An opportunity to grieve on the law. And your son took that from me. Stole that from me. Killed that from me! People keep asking if I'm back. And I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And I was just like, yeah. (laughs) You go, John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. Even when he's got him. John thinks there's a way out of this thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it it just it it made me excited for him. Like I was I was like, yes, this is the thing that I want you to do right now. I want you to get your revenge and I want you to do this thing mm-hmm. that you are clearly good at. So go do you, John Wick. <laughs> go kill dudes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the context of this movie, yes, that is what I wanted him to do, absolutely. And yet, he does have a way out of of that scene because of his friendship with Willem Dafoe. Yes. Like, the fact that he has built relationships in this world Mm -hmm. helps him achieve his goal. In this world where there don't seem to be good relationships. It's relationships built built on money and rules. Yeah, that's another thing that I really liked about this movie, too, is because you're led to believe... That Marcus has accepted this contract mm. to actually kill him. Like the money, the job is worth more to him than his friendship. And so I think my comment in that one was, oh, yeah, it really is good to have friends, yeah. you know. But then we find out he took the contract so that he could keep John Wick safe. And 
we were never expressly told that. No. We were just shown that. They never said it. We just saw him watching and then warning him about Perkins mm-hmm. and then killing the the Russian guys who have him tied up. Like, he never had to say anything. Yeah. He just had to do. And, and there's even, they keep it ambiguous with just before uh, the, he has the fight with Adrian Blitzky because mm-hmm. you think, oh, Willem Dafoe was missed and and he wanted to get the contract really quickly before she kills him so he could claim the money. Yeah. But actually he was doing it to wake him up so that... To warn him, yeah. yeah. really yeah. nice. It was really good. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is, again, a sign of good writing if it recontextualizes things you've seen earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we have been gushing about this for close to an hour. Do we have anything else that we need to talk about with John Wick? So we're closing out Keanu Reeves month. We are. Do you have thoughts on what John Wick tells us about Keanu's career? What Keanu's performance tells us about life? Do you have any, do, does this contextualize anything? Are we getting all like <laughs> existential here? Well, you know, this is part of the point is to see his progression through significant moments in his career, I think. Is, is there anything in this that makes you think, oh, do you know, Keanu's really interesting or has made you think about him as an actor in any way? I think it's, it's an interesting journey when you consider the distance between Bill and Ted and Point Break mm-hmm. and Bill and Ted and John Wick. Yeah. Because I had made the comment when we talked about Point Break that I could see Johnny Utah being <laughs> Ted yeah. after going to law school, mm-hmm. right? Like they were essentially the same character, just with a few more years, a little bit of maturity. Yeah. That's it. And and then I think we saw the progression of the the characters that, that Keanu plays. Each one was a little bit older, was a little bit more mature. And until eventually he has completely deviated from where he started, even though he is returning back to Ted next year, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. Um, I feel like the characters that he's chosen to play kind of mirror human growth, like character development, even though they're all different characters. Mm-hmm. You know, like each one is more mature. Each one goes through something a little bit different, a little bit stronger where you have to come out a different person on the other side yeah. right and i don't know that there are a lot of actors who do that because there are so many actors liam neeson who plays the same character in everything they do yep. and keanu hasn't done that keanu has chosen movies and characters that stretch him mm. i think and each one takes him just to a slightly different place mm. nice there are exceptions to that rule <laughs> you know but i i think Especially given what we did here, the range of films that mm-hmm. we did here and, and the decades that, that they spanned, I feel like that's a pretty good representation. Yeah. He, they are all memorable characters. Yes. Not necessarily the same character. You're absolutely right. Those early ones, yes, you can sort of see some of the jumping between them. But even Constantine is very different from John Wick. And they could be very mm-hmm. similar. Right. But... And, and Constantine is very different from his character in The Devil's Advocate. Absolutely. But you would expect them there to be similarities. Mm. They're both movies that he did where he directly talks to the devil. Yeah. Right? And they were not recognizably the same character at all. It wasn't the same story. They didn't feel the same. They didn't have the same mannerisms. Mm. He's good. Yeah. He's better than I thought he was, I have to say. <laughs> like, watching all of these back-to-back has given me a brand new appreciation for Keanu as an actor. Yeah. 
not just as a human being. Like I've always adored him as a human being, particularly in the last couple of years when you start seeing, you know, all of these things that he does mm. to just help people. The, the, right? the internet's boyfriend. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He, and this is like the renaissance of Keanu, but these four movies have really increased my respect for him as an actor, mm. my appreciation for him as an actor, I think. So I'm really glad we did it. Good. And I really hope that you're okay with us doing John Wick 2 and 3 on the show later because uh, I want to watch them. It, it, yes, eventually. I'm interested to return and, and to see John Wick 3 and 4 when they come out. Yes. I'm. Let me just tell you, I'm excited about the prequel TV show because I'm so fascinated by the idea of the Continental mm. that seeing that world fleshed out I think will be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am as well. There was a film called Hotel Artemis that was a kind of slightly sci-fi, bit dystopian version with Jodie Foster and other people it wasn't great it was it was oh, it was the obvious choices you would make yeah it was a bit yeah, fine okay i i okay. find john wick really interesting because there is capacity in this film to treat it like i wanted to treat point break just enjoy it it's right uh, kill crazy murder fun um right and and just watch it and see the story play out but i think there is more to it than a point break. Point break I just wanted to enjoy for, you know, dudes fighting crime and dudes doing crime whilst doing extreme sports. Yeah, exactly. But this, you, you know, I and I didn't want to dig into the duality of the criminal and the cop and all, all those kind of, right, you know, right. the kind of thematic stuff we might dig into elsewhere. But in this, I want to. I want to consider the differences of him as a man alone, but who's clearly got respect and built relationships, despite mm-hmm. being a man alone. Or, or being a man who clearly seeks com- seeks company through his wife, through his dog, through the relationships he's built, compared to a world where everyone, every man is an island. Or, you know, there is stuff you could really dig into here. And I think right, the film right. warrants it. I think the film is good enough to support it. Yeah. So I like that, perceptibly, he's choosing films that are that encourage that more. Particularly when you look at something like The Matrix that has such a big world built around it. Yeah. But even coming to this and going... And, you know, he he has not returned to many characters in his career. And the fact that Ted and Neo and John Wick are kind of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it shows, yeah, sometimes he gets really good roles. Yeah. So we might have to do some sort of, like, special bonus feature for The Matrix. Because I never finished The Matrix movies. Okay. And I know you're kind of disgruntled about that. And I told Joseph I had never seen the last one either. And he flipped out on me. <laughs> so that might be something we do. I, I will utterly defend point. them. I, I There are choices in there that are not necessarily the best. But what they do, I really like. So it, yeah. it's just, it's not what I you I mean, expect. I really liked the first two. I don't know why I didn't continue maybe time. And then it just kept getting further and further in the past. Right. I don't know, but... I would, especially after doing Kiana Month, I would really like to go back and revisit those. Okay. So, but maybe maybe not a full episode proper on the show. Maybe something we do on Patreon. Yeah, or... yeah, good show. And we will definitely see Keanu again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. absolutely will see Keanu again. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com.
Pop Culture Deprived is 100% funded by our lovely listeners just like you through our Patreon page. And if you can give even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content, helps to support the network, and helps to develop new shows. If you want to find out more, you can visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week with the beginning of Vampire Month, where we are going to talk about another Keanu movie, <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. So until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And your son took that from me, stole that from me, killed that from me. God, that was a good line, too. No, it's a dreadful line. No, it's a <laughs> good line. Li- okay, the, the delivery was good. No, it's dreadful. I'm mocking it here. <laughs> well, I disagree with you.